This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. We are continuing in our Revival Reflections Collection, Episode 9 today, and today is a goodie. This is another thing that I'm learning in the midst of an outpouring, and this learning is going to really rile up the spirit of religion, and it's going to ruffle the feathers of the perfectionist. So strap in, friends, because here's today's reflection. Revival is messy. Yep, that's right. You heard it here first. Revival is messy. One of the scriptures that's really been a massive help to us has been Proverbs 14, verse 4, which says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Let's break the scripture down for a moment. What Solomon is actually teaching, the wisdom that he's passing on here, is that an empty stable may be clean and not require the shoveling of poop but it won't produce any abundance. And we need the strength of oxes to plough the ground and to produce abundant crops. So keeping oxen in the stable is necessary. In other words, harvest and fruitfulness will require cleaning up the stable. Another way of putting it is that there will be in revival mess in the house. There will be poop to clean up in the house. But if we want harvest and if we want fruitfulness, we just have to embrace the mess. We have to stick a peg on our nose and get really good at walking our spiritual kids and ourselves through just cleaning up our mess. Because interestingly, oxen are often metaphors for ministry biblically. Now, Alexander Pagani, I'm going to link him in the show notes later. He's written a brilliant book and he writes this in what he calls prototype timing, but we would call the law of first mention. He says, the oxen represented something that would be revealed at a later time, ministers of the gospel, and served as a model for how we are to understand the way ministers should be treated. So now whenever I see oxen in scriptures, I consider how the passage might relate to ministers of the gospel. So if we then apply this principle that Alexander Pagani is laying out for us, could Solomon be teaching us that where there is no ministry or effective and strong ministry, there won't be any poop. But where we're ministering to people effectively and with strength, there will be poop to clean up. Now, people, I can testify. I have never seen more mess in my life, but I have also never seen God move so powerfully and transform lives, more beauty and more growth in my life. Here's the thing. If we want spiritually neat environments, we will have to settle for spiritually powerless environments. Let me say that again. If we want spiritually neat environments, if that's our priority, we will have to settle for spiritually powerless environments. But if we want to exist in the kind of spiritually powerful environments that follow Jesus everywhere, that changed people's lives, we have to be prepared for mess. And often in church life, we are so busy with programs and agendas that we don't have time 
to be the kinds of mothers and fathers who walk their kids through cleaning up their mess. So we forfeit spiritual power to save time. So here is what I have learned as we have delved into greater levels of the weight of his presence. There's like this progressive cleaning that's taking place, um, more mess to clean up. And we're actually in another season right now. I'm recording at the end of August in 2023. We had a season of mass repentance one year ago, uh, and then it kind of trickled away. And now I feel like we've gone beyond the surface level of repentance to some very deep core life issue repentance. We're in another season of helping kids clean mess and it's wonderful. So here's the first principle. Mothers and fathers live from the conviction that life abundant is messy. Managers and CEOs require perfectly sanitized environments that settle for scraps from the master's table. Let me say that again. Mothers and fathers live from the conviction that abundant life is messy. Managers and CEOs require perfectly sanitized environments that settle for scraps from the master's table. Boom, boom, boom. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. So when I talk about cleaning up mess, we're actually meant to do that to restore in a spirit of gentleness. So what could this mess look like? Well, for me as the prophet of our house, often it looks like someone who's learning to operate in the spiritual gift of prophecy, delivering some kind of whack prophetic word. And as the spiritual mother, right, then I can punish them and stop them from operating in their spiritual gift. Or I can be just as proactive about gentle correction and reactivating with the safety of covering and boundaries I need to be just as passionate about that as I am about prophesying myself because mistakes are actually the ultimate teaching moments and all good parents know that, that when there's a failure or a mistake, that is the ultimate parental teaching moment. The mess could also look like a young leader who you're raising up, taking liberty on a platform uh, that they're not graced for or isn't undercovering. We will have the conversations and explain why that was unsafe and what we want the approach to look like in the future. We help them figure out if they've made a mess on anybody else, how to clean that mess up. It could be the relational mess of gossip in a team or in an individual relationship. It could be ungodly behavior. It could be hidden sin. We've got all of this going on and more at the same time as God's moving in signs and wonders. It could be someone preaching error from the platform. These are all things that happen in cultures of empowerment as the sons and daughters are rising up into their full potential. And apart from clear biblical guidelines around certain sins, these things do not disqualify people from being used by God or being part of community. What they do require is loving parenting and a willingness to walk through the mess with people. We've made a decision in this season that we would rather clean up mess than have a spiritually neat environment. And God tests that. <laughs> so do people. I love that Dr. Danny Silk suggests this approach, which is an approach I use with my spiritual and my natural kids. And I'm actually going to link his book in the show notes, which is called Unpunishable. It's a game changer. 
But he talks about this is how you parent a spiritual or a natural child through a mistake, a sin, an error, or a situation. The first thing you do when you sit with this child or this person that you're leading, or even for yourself, is identify the mess. What is the mess you have made? What's the sin? What's the disunity? What's the behavior? What's the motivator? What is the mess? Define it. The next thing is we invite the person to recognize if there is sin behind that mess and then help them repent, lead them in repentance, restoring with a spirit of gentleness. So if they have a repentant attitude, then we will walk through with them to see them clean up the mess. If they do not have a repentant attitude and there's pride or sin rooted deeply in their heart, it's very hard to help them clean up their mess. So in a season of outpouring where kids are just learning how to grow big and tall and walk in authority, 99% of the time they're very teachable. Pride is the tricky one, but that's a whole other episode. So you identify the mess, we invite them to repent if they need to. Then we identify who else has been affected by the mess. So Dr. Danny Silk talks about it this way. Like if you're the person who's created the mess, the metaphor is you're walking in with a, a full can of paint, you drop the can of paint, who else does the paint splash up on? Who else has been affected by your mess? It might be a leader, it might be a sibling, it might be someone you work with, whatever that is, who else is affected by the mess? Next, we identify how to clean this mess up with people and how to rebuild trust. So we're not making people rebuild trust to test them. We're doing it to keep them safe. We want them to rebuild relational trust with those they made a mess on. And then we pray with them and ask Holy Spirit to help with the transformation and the renewal of thinking because repentance is learning to walk and think a completely different way so that there is a brand new way forward. So this is kind of our process of how we help people identify and clean up mess and rebuild trust and then grow big and tall and be released into all that God has called them to. So if this was someone who was prophesying whack prophetic words, right, this would look like me sitting down with this person in a non-threatening relational way, outlining the issue, why they're sitting with me, and asking them to identify what kind of mess this has made. For example, it could have caused somebody else to misunderstand the heart of God or prophecy itself or to feel disconnected from community or to feel disillusioned. So then I would pray with that person and invite them to repent. Is there something you've done that requires repentance? And in this step, I actually don't attempt to make the person feel better unless they head down destructive pathways like self-loathing, which we then need to deal with. It's actually good for people to feel the consequences and the fear of the Lord. That's a gift from God to make us holy. Guilt is a gift from God. Condemnation is never from the Lord. But guilt is a feeling and emotion that is a gift to us and fear of the Lord is a gift to us to help us to be holy. So then I invite the person to identify the mess or who else has been affected by the mess they've made. So it could be a person they've prophesied over. It could be the other people who saw them prophesy and it wasn't according to New Testament prophecy. We then agree on a way forward to clean up the mess with the other people and how to rebuild trust with both myself as an oversight 
rebuild trust with themselves and how to rebuild trust with others. And then I would pray with the person and ask Holy Spirit to teach them a new way to think and to protect relationship. I pray against accusation and condemnation. And then I might spend some time actually teaching them the biblical foundations of prophecy. Because if I want them to learn and adopt and renew their mind a new way to think, I'm going to lead them to scripture. What does the New Testament say about prophecy? I might unpack with them 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and then do some activations with them. Like I'm committed to helping them learn a new way. Let me be clear here. If they are having trouble identifying issues or where they've made a mess, but it's very obvious to you as a spiritual mother or father, this is called a blind spot and we all have them. And this is why we are called to live in community and in family because we don't know. It's called a blind spot because we're blind to it. So when I'm saying to someone, you know, there's this mess I I want us to, to work through, this behaviour in your life that is actually communicating like a lack of submission or pride in your heart. Like we're having those conversations and people are having them with me. And they're like, well, I just don't see it. That's where I have to say, yeah, but that's why it's called a blind spot. So let me love you enough to speak to this blind spot. Receive the wounds of a friend. Because humility is the basis of unity and it will be required by both people attempting to grow through the mess. The second revival reflection on revival being messy is we have to live with a greater revelation of Jesus and his finished work than people's fallenness and sin. We fall into perpetuating punishment paradigms in our families and in our churches when essentially we have a bigger revelation and fear of people's sin then we do a revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and fear of God. We control people when we have a fear or a bigger revelation of their sin and their fallenness than we do of the finished work of Jesus. Take risks on people, believe the best in them, call the gold out of the dust of their lives, and then be prepared to clean up their mess and don't let their mess disqualify them. You know, you don't expect your baby to be able to walk the first time it walks. And when it falls over, you don't go, you stupid child, you idiot, why can't you walk? No, you put support systems and structures, you encourage, you love, you cheer on, and you help them learn how to walk. This is what spiritual mothers and fathers do. Let me tell you, when you lead this way, and when someone grows up big and tall, And when you've walked through the mess of life with them, there is nothing more satisfying than seeing them transformed and starting where you finish. And that is true kingdom living. Number three, settle that you will have more difficult conversations than you have ever had in your life and that this will be how you will know whether you are a true mother or father. Settle that you will have more difficult conversations than you have ever had in your life, and this will be how you will know that you are a true mother or father. Okay, so if we're reflecting that revival is messy, you're going to have to be with a spirit of gentleness and filled with the spirit of God. Be prepared to have difficult conversations with people, not leave them going round and round and round the mountain. Ephesians 4 says that one of the signs of maturity in Christ 
is the ability to speak the truth in love. You know, it's easy to parent in the fun times. True and good parents are there and willing to have the hard conversations. They don't withdraw their love. They don't punish, but they walk with their kids through their mess. They might put in place some safe boundaries while the people we're leading grow and learn to stretch out into all God has called them to be. The same way as when there's a guardrail on the top of a mountain, I can actually go closer to the edge of the mountain and enjoy more of the vista and more of the view because of the boundary fence. This is the same. There's a very big difference between the boundary lines falling in pleasant places that mothers and fathers put in place so that you can enjoy a more wide vista than the punishment and the shutdown of people who call themselves mothers and fathers that are actually nothing but, nothing like a true mother or father. Number four, live with the conviction that deliverance is the doorway to freedom and equip yourself to represent Christ in setting the captives free. In revival, part of the mess is you are going to deal with people who have passengers, Christians included. And the longer we avoid it, the longer we leave people imprisoned. I got delivered of three demons and strongholds that had been running and ruling my thought life and my life for 25 years in January this year. I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a leader in the church. I got delivered and it transformed my life. And I then had to go on the process of learning new ways to think and renewing my mind through scripture and all the things. But deliverance is going to be a part of any revival. And we need to be raising sons and daughters right now who know how to operate in deliverance. In cultures of freedom and revival, deliverance will be normal. It won't be some weird sideshow that everybody's got their eyes on. There can be deliverance happening while an entire congregation has their eyes fixed on Jesus. I've seen it and I know it to be true. Jesus stated his own job description in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He commissioned his disciples in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Deliverance isn't for the special forces and elite of the church world. It is for every disciple of Jesus. You have the keys to the kingdom. You have the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not some watered-down 10% version. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. And we are going to need to know how to operate in that authority with humility and yet with confidence. Our kids will need to know deliverance. You know, recently as a family and our friends, the Turners, Pastor Corey and Sam and their children, also watched this documentary movie, which is called Come Out in the Name of Jesus. 
And it's basically about a Baptist pastor's unplanned ministry of deliverance. You will love it. I'm going to link this in the show notes so you can buy it on YouTube and you can also watch it on Google Play. But I highly recommend it as well as Alexander Pagani's book called The Secrets of Deliverance, which we'll also put in the show notes. And we watched it with our kids and we discussed deliverance and then we delivered them. (laughs) Our children raised in the house of the Lord. Yes, we did deliverance with them. We did sozo with them because we want them living free. There's no shame in this. The enemy is a liar that Christians should be ashamed about deliverance and suffering from oppression. This is part of living in these earthly tents and living in a fallen world, but we don't have to stay this way. Jesus cannot heal what we want to hide. And so this is going to be a normal part of revival being messy. Number five. Ensure you have access to supporting ministries that are designed to help with the mess of life. When people experience life-defining moments of supernatural breakthrough or power encounters like instant healing or deliverance, they need help often for their soul realm to catch up, to be healed or to catch up, to be restored with all that has taken place in the spiritual realm instantly. So this is where ministries like Sozo have proven so pivotal for us. Healing streams are another that we don't have in our church, but I know a lot of people use. They're amazing. Because of our close relationship with Bethel Church, we've gotten trained and implemented our Bethel Healing Rooms and Bethel Sozo in our church because of the need for the body and soul care that always runs alongside the spiritual revival that people are experiencing. So we have people who come from all over the body of Christ Um, from unbelievers who access these ministries. But we also have put our staff through Sozo and all of our School of the Spirit students through Sozo. My family, my children are about to have another one with someone from the United States so that they don't feel like they can't talk about their mum and dad because they might need to. In fact, in the next few weeks at Numa, we have the founder of Bethel Sozo, Dawn De Silva. That will have already happened by the time you hear this podcast. And I'm actually going to record a special bonus episode with Donna for this potty. Maybe we'll even release it in the same week, but stay tuned. So revival is going to be messy, but you can either have spiritually neat or spiritually powerful, you choose. So that is another revival reflection, something I have learned. I did not know this is what it was going to look like, but revival is glorious chaos and it is messy Because as the fire of God comes, all the impurities come to the surface and it's an ongoing work. He peels back layers and layers and layers like on an onion. But mess is really just an opportunity for us to discover the true meaning of family and to walk in unconditional love. After all, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. And our love is tested when we fail and when we hurt one another and when we make a mess of relationships and we make a mess with sin and we make a mess with good intentions, we find out if we're truly family and if we're truly filled with the Holy Spirit And if we're truly committed to being mothers and fathers when people make a mess. So next week, we're going to talk about being a river church. We can either be a river church or a dam church, people or community. And there are actually some defining markers of each, and we're going to talk about that. So I can't wait to talk to you then. Love you all and do all the things. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks for coming on the journey. 